Welcome to episode 277 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. If you've been looking for deeper connections and support to fight the isolation of being a business owner, I invite you to join the Content and Connections Club. The founding member price is $10 a month if you sign up by April 30th, 2022. This new intentional community is inclusive to all longtime or newbie online business owners, whether you have your business plan figured out or not. You deserve access to content that will help you grow. But you're probably wondering, why is this only $10? Well, the price will increase to $25 a month on May 1st, but to thank you for joining in the first month, you get the founding member pricing. To make getting access to the business knowledge and connections equitably accessible to all. And I also believe that paying just $10 a month will help you set an intention that you're ready to take the steps necessary to grow your business. Not to mention, charging membership fees isn't my main intention because I'm not keeping it all. I'm giving half the proceeds of membership fees to Feeding America because they provide critical support to food banks across the United States and feed our neighbors facing food insecurity. Since 2020, I produced their virtual events and last week I was in Louisville, Kentucky supporting their first in-person event in years. Ready to join us in the club and get access to weekly networking meetings and all the content you need to become more successful? Sign up by April 30th at contentandconnectionclub.com. This membership community is perfect for you if you are keen to learn strategies for business growth, such as product market fit, lead generation, and sales conversations. You want to also have strategies for networking online and at in-person events and improving your virtual event engagement and presentation skills. Sign up for the Content and Connection Club to experience networking with fellow entrepreneurs every Friday at No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hours, online discussion forums on topics that will help you grow your business, access to courses and content, thousands of dollars worth actually, that you can dive deeper into at any time, and ongoing training and tips from me on these topics, plus answers to your specific questions during the extensive live Q&A sessions every Friday. Sign up at contentandconnectionclub.com. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest has reinvented herself many times. She's a best-selling author, executive communications coach, motivational speaker, podcast host, and Emmy award-winning journalist. Her television career spanned 28 years and featured many memorable highlights, including one-on-one interviews with prominent figures ranging from professional athletes to global political leaders, including President Barack Obama, as well as cultural icons, such as Oprah Winfrey. She also co-anchored the number one rated 6 p.m. newscast at WCVB-TV, News Center 5, the ABC affiliate in Boston. She's the author of Dare to Own You, Taking Your Authenticity and Dreams into Your Next Chapter. In this book, she shares that every experience, good or bad, every career step we've taken all adds up to the experience and skills. All of it's valuable knowledge and can be used to recreate one's next chapter, If one is willing to think differently about their experiences and connect the dots, discover the themes and patterns that exist, please join me in welcoming Liz Bruner. 
Oh, Robbie, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. It's great to be here with you today. And as we were talking before we began the podcast, we have crossed paths but have never met until today. Until today, Liz, I know you're joining us from your home office in the Boston area where I lived until last summer for 20 years. So it is a thrill to connect with you. And as you know, this is a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? First of all, I believe that there is a leader within all of us. Now, whether or not we allow that to rise to the surface is another story because we're not born knowing how to lead. We learn how to lead and we learn from our upbringing. We learn from our schools, education, from our peers, from our colleagues. We learn how to be leaders. And I believe that leadership and being a leader is about becoming a full human being. Leadership is not a single event. It really is a journey. And so when we take that and we kind of grow with it and we learn and we, we learn how to understand ourselves and who we are and become very self-aware, there are certain traits that I think rise to the surface of being a leader. Obviously, competence is one. You, you, are, you have the skill set. And number two is about trust. Are your words and your actions in sync? Do you walk the talk? Do you talk the talk? You have to be able to connect with people. You have to be able to motivate. You have to be able to inspire them. And you have to have this passion, which is a contagious energy that makes people want to follow you. If you have followers, you are a leader. And it comes back to that authenticity and connecting with people, being able to listen, and also having a vision. Having a vision, a clear understanding of wanting to reach a goal, knowing how, do you re- how to reach that goal. You may not know every single step along the way, but you definitely have a clear vision. So I love that analogy of it really is a journey because as you continue to grow, as you continue to learn, if you're willing to do that, you can become a leader and all of that can rise up within you. So that's a roundabout definition of my my idea of what a leader is. Now, as far as me knowing when I realized I had those skills, I think I didn't realize I was a leader actually till recently. And I know that sounds strange because in many respects, as I look back, hindsight 2020, is that I feel that I have been more of a leader than I ever thought I was. I was a leader in my television station. I was a leader being on a top-rated newscast. I've been a leader in this community with all the charity work that I've done. I've been a leader in my industry now as a communications coach. So I've been a leader along the way. It wasn't until recently that I kind of recognized that I was actually a leader. We're going to dig into that a lot more, but I want to go back to your definition for a second about, you know, being a full human being Mm -hmm. and this idea around competency and trust and um, connection and passion and vision. And I was like, is there an acronym we can use? I couldn't find one in my brain. (laughs) I don't have one yet either, but I like all of those things. I like all those things. And I love the idea that it's ever evolving and it's, it's not some, everyone has a potential, but we're all learning and growing and getting better at it. And going back to what you just said though, about not recognizing it, because, you know, often we're placed in roles that are not um, named as leadership roles, but we discover over time that we actually are leading others, that others are asking our opinion or, or following 
um, what we're doing next. And so that influence piece that you mentioned, I think is such a big part of it and, you know, encouraging people to follow you along the way. I want to, I'm going to wind the clock back though. I want to wind the clock way back <laughs> to who Liz was on the playground. Like, who are you in grade school <laughs> in, in high school? Are you, you know, are you running for office? Are you, um, are people seeking you out? Are teachers knowing you're going to offer something or are you kind of reserved and, and watching the whole scene unfold? I'm probably not reserved, but <laughs> the, the, when you asked what I was like in childhood and did I ever run for office, I remember running for student council president in junior high. However, my opponent was named Charlie Brown. Now, I had no chance of winning <laughs> against a young man named Charlie Brown, right? There's no chance that I'm going to win against something like that. So that's really the only office that I ever aspired to when I was in, in junior high. But then in high school, I was always involved in musical theater and show choirs and swing choirs and performing. So I've always kind of been out there. But what surprises people sometimes is they assume that I'm an extrovert. And I think I'm 50-50 introvert-extrovert because I really truly do like my, my space and my time. And there are times when I have to push myself, as we all do particularly in networking situations, which I know we're going to talk about later on today. But those are the memories that I have of kind of going after things. And I think that's also part of being a leader is going after things. And you talked about influence a moment ago. And I think that's so important. And you talked about, you know, you may have the responsibilities, but a lot of people think that being a leader is having that title or you're in some organizational chart. And that has nothing to do with leadership. Leadership has nothing to do with titles. It comes down to influence. It comes down to influence. And do you have followers? That's the difference. I love hearing that you've got this like musical theater, uh, show choir, swing choir, which uh, that sounds <laughs> fascinating all on its own. Like that kind of background. It's such an interesting sort of foray into the world that you ended up inhabiting. I'm sure I imagine there's a lot of skills that you acquire um, being in that kind of team environment that is a collective yet individually, you have that responsibility um, to perform well, no matter what, right? Like no matter what's going on in your personal life or your health. And when you're a journalist and you're on air, like, a, you know, same rules the apply. show must go on, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Um, I'm wondering if there was someone that you really particularly looked up to that maybe um, when you were younger, I mean, we don't use the term leader when we're a kid and seeing those around us, but was there someone who really had a lot of influence on you about how to sort of show up in the world? Well, my mom and my ancestry, if you've read my book, Dare to Own You, I do talk about my heritage. And I have a lot of doctors in my family, <laughs> a lot of ministers in my family, and we've been able to trace the family tree back to the point in time when the Apostle Thomas converted 12 families to Christianity in India. And my descendants are one of those, or I'm a descendant of one of those 12 families and members who came over on the Mayflower. And what was so interesting when I was writing that particular chapter about my ancestry, I kept saying to myself, why do I feel so compelled to put this in here? And what came to me, Robbie, was that I realized I was carrying this unconscious expectation of the weight of all of these people that I looked up to, 
uncles who were doctors and nurses and grandparents who were doctors and professors and my mom who was a social worker, my father who was a minister. So I looked up to all of those people without realizing the expectation unconsciously. Nobody was putting pressure on me. I was putting pressure on myself. So those are the people that I looked up to and admired and respected because they were all leaders in their own right. Yeah, you can, You basically are coming from a long line of leaders and you're aware of it where many of us are not aware of our lineage. We haven't done the, the research. We, don't, we can't trace ourselves back that far. And so it, for you, like there might be a, a, a generational heaviness to doing well. Generational, well. several generations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, the need to need to continue that, that lineage of leadership in, in whatever way that means, because um, it sounds like they all had different ways of doing it. Um, but there's definitely a way of showing up and um, putting your stamp on things, which you've clearly done. You know, I, I was um, looking at, you know, you have some kind of humble origins. You, was it you were a teacher? Was that what I yes. recall? I was a high school music teacher. And growing up, I was always performing in the show, in show choirs in high school. I was in an opera company in high school from the time I was, you know, three feet tall. I was singing in the church choir. So always music was just always a part of my life never considered doing anything else. I studied music at Lawrence University's Conservatory of Music. So I have a degree in, in voice and music ed, and I taught high school choral music for a couple of years. And I enjoyed it, but I felt there was something more I was supposed to do. I couldn't explain it at the time. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to figure it out. I left the teaching profession bravely and blindly called up two television stations in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, which was where I was living at the time, thinking, I wonder if I could get a job in television. I had done one TV commercial when I was Miss Illinois in the Miss America pageant system. Now, that's a scholarship program that paid for all my education, along with the student loans and working in the dishroom in college. And after about six months of conversation, a position was created for me that didn't even exist. And I learned everything from the ground up. And you mentioned very early on today about how my musical training would have helped me. And it did. If you think about the fact that I'm using my voice and singing, I'm singing stories. Now it turns out I am speaking stories. And eventually one thing, I didn't start out right on the air, but then things started to snowball and I ended up getting onto the air. And at my first station for three years, went to the next station I was there for five years, and then I got the great job in Boston and was at that station for 20 years. So all told, 28. It, it, this is a remarkable shift in your story that, you know, it's like the unexpected, like, wait, she did what? Because you have this like <laughs> safe, you know, career path that's a, a giving career path. Like you can feel good about it. You know, you're, you love being around these kids. It's something you're really good at. Um, you're enjoying yourself, but you've got this like itch to do something else. You're not even sure exactly what it is. And you actually left your role before having the next thing in place, which is a huge leap of faith for anybody. Um, and the fact that you, I mean, 28 years ago, or well, now it's probably more than that, right? It's like 30 plus <laughs> years ago to con to just like cold call the local stations and, you know, see whether there's a way in for you, having had like one on air appearance to <laughs> exactly. call your own. Um, I mean, where do you get that? I mean, the word chutzpah comes to mind. In the, like, Thank you. you know. Well, interestingly enough, I was reading a book at the time called Who's Hiring Who by Richard Lathrop. 
and it talked about informational interviews. I'd never heard of such a thing. What is an informational interview? And really, at the time, I thought, do I have to go back to college and get another different degree? Is what I think I even want to do in television even exist? I thought I wanted to do public relations. I truly didn't know. And so I was asking those questions with the people that I was speaking with. And then one thing led to another. But that's what gave me the courage was to bravely and blindly call up those two television stations and ask for an info. I didn't even know who to ask to speak to, literally. But I don't know if that would happen today, Robbie. I really don't know if you could cold call a television station and say, can I talk to somebody about getting a job in TV? I don't know if that would happen today. This is over 30 years ago now. I think the today version would be looking on LinkedIn to see who you know that has any kind of role in whatever industry and then asking that person for advice as to who to reach out to and can you make an introduction? I mean, we just didn't have the, our networks were not as visible. So the way you did it was the way to do, the only way to really do it. And the Um, internet really wasn't that big back then. So I would be going to the library and I'd be, you know, reading all these books and having them sent to me in the mail, just learning how to do this. And what's interesting is that when I left the television industry now eight years ago and launched my communications company, I've come full circle because I was a teacher back then. And now I'm a teacher coach now. Mm -hmm. And what I go ahead. I just wondering, you you did this one career path now for 28 years, right? Um, again, <laughs> really successful, good at it, top of your career. Why then make the decision to, to take that next shift? I mean, you made it another sort of left turn, be like, okay, thank you, Boston. <laughs> I'm going to do this other thing. It sounds like a left turn until you connect all the dots of the experiences and my grandmother's quote, no knowledge is ever wasted. And that's really the impetus for my book, Dare to Own You, because all of those experiences, all of those career experiences, the good, the bad, everything, if you can step back and connect the themes and patterns and connect the dots, it does make sense from the big picture. Initially, it doesn't, but she was a teacher and she did what? (laughs) Okay. Now, when it came to figuring out was I going to leave? And what was I going to do? Two years prior to leaving, again, I sort of had this familiar feeling there's something more I'm supposed to do. Again, having absolutely no clue what it would be. And the industry was changing dramatically. When I first got into television, our stories could have been four, five, six minutes long. And the stories that I was predominantly working on were the big exclusives, like the President Obama, like the athletes, like the senior leaders. And those take time to really, first of all, get them to say yes. Took me four years to get President Obama. Let's just be clear about that. Talk about perseverance. And then when I would finally get the interview to create the stories I wanted to have them be as in-depth with these high-level individuals... Well, now the stories are a minute, 10 seconds long. I'm sorry, that's just not long enough. And another piece of it was that the women who were sitting next to the men were just getting younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. So there were all kinds of reasons that made me stop and say, okay, what else could I maybe do? And what I did, Robbie, and this is something I want to share with people. So it's so important. I made a list. One of my mentors gave me this idea. 
make a list of at least five to 10 people whom you admire, respect in this community, not necessarily in your field, but who you respect and admire who might be able to give you some outside perspective. And so I did that. And I bravely reached out to the first person and the second person, and I would sit down with them and ask the questions of, what do you see as my skill set? What else do you think I could be doing? Robbie, their, their comments were always so interesting to me because some would say, well, I, I see you read the news every night. Trust me, it's more than just reading the news. But they couldn't really connect the dots of what my skill set was in words and language they understood. So my task initially was, okay, in their world, crisis management, my world is breaking news. In my world, being a reporter and a producer and putting a whole story together is a project manager in their world. And once I began to speak their language, then it, you know, I would get much more interesting responses of what I could maybe possibly do. The important piece about that list of, of people you connect with is once you've formed a really strong, authentic relationship and connection, you ask them, who else should I be talking to? And more importantly, will you connect me? Because sometimes you may not get your own foot in the door, but they can help get your foot in the door to talk to somebody. And that was crucial. I eventually narrowed it down to three paths. I could be some communications expert for a corporation, didn't really know one that would be looking. I could maybe be involved in the nonprofit world. I know you've been involved in that world. Maybe I could be an executive director. Or maybe I could start my business. And when I shared this three-lane path with another mentor, he said to me, Liz, you're well-known. You're well-respected. That is credibility. You have credibility. All of that is value. Why would you give that value to somebody else? Start your business. If you don't like it in six months, you don't have any clients in six, nine months, you can always go do something else. Robbie, the kaleidoscope went click. I made the decision that day that I was going to do it. And if I didn't make the decision that day, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I would be too scared because <laughs> it felt like I was jumping off of a cliff. Uh, I mean, I love how relationships are such a big part of your story. I, I have a belief that uh, relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge. And, 100%. You know, do you know George? Do you know George Free? Um, I'm going to say his name incorrectly. There's a wonderful quote that business is about relationships. Mm. And without relationships, you have no business. Without mm -hmm. relationships, you have no business being in business because mm -hmm. the business you are really in is relationships. The businesses of relationships. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so you mentioned sort of in, almost in passing the multiple mentors. And for a lot of people, like that's even a hard thing to, to figure out how to, how to ask, how to find people, how to ask them, how to keep up that relationship. Then you have this list of you know, five to 10 people, which I think is a, a fantastic exercise. It's almost like doing your own 360, um, but really with very select people that can mm -hmm. give you a perspective that you don't have of yourself. I also love this piece about how do you have to translate your transferable skills to uh, a very specific language of an industry to a more general 
world understanding so that people can say, oh, right, you have those skills. Well, maybe you want to do this. And this kick in the pants you got from the second mentor you mentioned about, you know, why not just go out on your own? You've got all this credibility. I mean, what, I mean, in one way, it's like a blessing to have that clarity. Like, you know, when someone just says, what do you, what do you mean? Just do this. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're right. I'll just do that. It's also hugely daunting. I'm, I'm actually curious. Here's the, I know I said a lot, but here's my actual question. Did you know entrepreneurs at this point? Did you know other people who, who had a similar path that uh-huh. you were about to embark on? You said no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, like I've known, I've known people you. who left the television industry and, and went back to being, uh, being a t- an attorney because that was what they graduated you know, school from. I knew people who had left and just retired. I knew people who had left television and wanted to do something else. They had all these visions and all these ideas, but they did not know how to implement them. They didn't take the initiative to implement them. It takes action. It takes action. And one of the other chapters in my book is called about, is it a wish or a dream? A wish is something, oh, maybe someday I'll do X or maybe someday I'll do Y. But the dream becomes the reality when you put action behind it and you have to make that commitment. Now, I'm not saying you drop everything in your life and, oh, I'm going to go do this and everything else falls by the wayside. No, you make the commitment and then you carve out a path to get there. And you may not know that path. I didn't know the path. I never wanted to own my own business, Robbie. It was never something I had aspired to. In fact, I just wrote an article that uh, will be published. In, and I was laughing to myself because if somebody had said to me 10 years ago, Liz, you're going to have your own business and you're going to be an entrepreneur, I would have said, what? That is preposterous. There's no way that's going to happen. I have no interest. And yet, eight years later, here I am. I have a business, thankfully, that's successful, a coaching business. I have my podcast, Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I have my online learning platform, BrunerAcademy.com, and my first book, Dare to Own You. And if I may share, I just got word that Forbes is recommending my book. I'm so excited. Wow. (laughs) That's huge. Well, I mean, kudos to all of that, but also just the idea that you took action, right? Like the book, it sounds like a great um, path that other people can see what you did in order to learn and apply it to their own life. Um, help themselves move further along. And it is all about taking some action, even imperfect action. And the um, the thing that I was wondering about is like, as you think about now, okay, I'm going to build a business. How did you <laughs> then like, you have talent, right? You have, you have knowledge and experience to share. Um, you have a network. You had a, probably a very, very solid network, although maybe not the people who need to hire you. So you're not even sure if it's the right network, um, but you definitely have some referrals in there. But there's a whole business to run that's not anything to do with talent. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, how do you sh- overcome that kind of challenge? And who did you sort of bring in to help you? Well, a different mentor, another one. That you, I, I think we're going to have to talk about you and your mentors in a moment. Well, so I, I mean, this particular individual, I, I bravely, and I, I mean, when you speak with these mentors, whomever you go to to talk to, you need to allow yourself to be vulnerable and you have to be authentic. And I was petrified of being vulnerable because I felt like 
I would be taking some veil of secrecy down about here's this strong, confident woman who's a main anchor on the number one rated newscast. And she's scared to death and doesn't know what the heck she's talking about when it comes to starting a business. But I didn't. And I remember sharing that fear with a mentor. And he said, Liz, you're smart. You'll figure it out. Talk about a vote of confidence. And that really, just that comment alone, Robbie, made me feel like, you know what, Liz, you will figure it out. When I got into television, I really hadn't done it before. And all the things that they were asking me to do, I was like, sure, yes, okay, fine. I'd go home and freak out. How do I do this? How do I do that? How, how do I do the weather? I learned, and I have a philosophy that just because you've never done something before does not mean you can't. You just have to try. Will you be 100% successful at everything? No. But I dare say you'll be more successful at more of them than you even realize if you just try. Mm, I love this. I mean, uh, you, you know, the fact that you, you have sort of um, the right people rooting for you. Um, I had I had a moment actually with Dory Clark, who's our mutual friend, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she's been a friend and mentor and coach of mine for a very long time. And I was fresh off my first book and I was working towards some kind of new group program or online course, or I, di- I didn't honestly know, but I wanted to be a one-to-many program and I had not yet done that. And I saw her at an event and I was ba- I was asking for advice, but she said, you're going to learn a lot. <laughs> and that's a prophecy. That's that's not actually learning. advice, but she was right. <laughs> there is such a steep learning yeah. curve as an entrepreneur. And as long as you are willing to learn and grow and surround yourself with good people, yeah. the right people, and allow that vulnerability and authenticity to ask, you have to ask for help sometimes. And I love this. Um, thought of we are so often afraid to ask for help and particularly women are afraid to ask for health help, but you're only working half the equation. If you're always giving it, but you don't accept it or ask for it, it's only half the equation. Mm-hmm. It's only half yeah. the equation. So how do you approach people um, or how do you identify and then approach people that you, you want to have a mentor relationship with? And do they know they are mentors of yours or are they just people that you seek out once or twice a year to connect with? I think the way it began, Robbie, was that I reached out first and foremost to people whom I trusted and whom I knew, such as the, the one mentor who said, Liz, make a list of five to 10 people. And I asked for his advice initially. Okay, you're telling me to make this list. <laughs> who should be on this list? Help me figure out who should be on this list. And what am I looking for and who might who should I be talking to? So while initially I may have only had three or four names and suggestions from this mentor, then that list began to grow. So I ultimately had those 10 people. Because once you start to forge that relationship and there is that authenticity, there is that vulnerability, then your network spreads out. And I love to do networking events. I actually have a wonderful seminar workshop that I do with people's pre-game, game game time, and (laughs) post-game. It's all about how to network. And I know that's one of your areas of expertise as well. It is so important that you do know how to network. So that's how I began. And I really didn't know who else was going to end up on that list. 
And there were people that ended up on that list that I would never have thought about, but it's because I asked that question, who else should I be talking to? And will you connect me? And why do you think this would be a good person for me to talk to? Now, I'm probably new of these individuals. I probably had met them because of my work in television and, and at charity events. So it wasn't exactly as if they were a complete surprise. Oh, yes, I know so-and-so. Yes, you think I should talk to her or him? Why? And it went from there. I love it. I mean, it, it's something that we all can think about applying in our own lives, particularly as we're making bigger decisions. I want to um, advance us forward a little bit because you have, I mean, you've met phenomenal people in many different mm-hmm. industries, all walks of life. Um, what a phenomenal career you've already had. And I'm, I'm kind of curious with the networking piece of it, and in particular, like, you know, the, the most uh, inner circle people, you know, you're going to stay in touch with that. That's going to definitely happen. But I'm curious how you maintain a connection with that second or third layers out the people you see maybe once a year at a conference or you work with them five years ago. These are people you like. I should just preface with that. Um, <laughs> you like them, but you don't really have a reason to talk to them on a regular basis today. Is there something you're doing to, to maintain that kind of connection, any kind of habits, philosophies, or practices? I think that is the important piece because a lot of people think, oh my God, networking, I have to have lunch or dinner or coffee with somebody. No, there are all kinds of ways that you can continue to maintain the relationship. Maybe it's you you read an article. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting. And you know what, Sally Jones, I think she would really like this. Sally, I hope you're doing well. Thought of you when I read this article. Boom. Send it off in an email, send it off in LinkedIn. You can also, of course, there's always coffee, lunch, and dinner. I'm not going to say you can't do that. But that's one way of reconnecting with people and just kind of staying top of mind. And if you see, if you follow people on LinkedIn, see what else they're doing. What else can you congratulate them on? What, how else can you be a supporter? How else can you be a resource for someone? That's what networking is about. A lot of people think, oh, I go to a networking event because I'm going to make a sale. No, 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 no. That's not what networking is about. It's about building a relationship. It's about being a resource for someone. How can you help someone else? And guess what? When you do that, they remember you. So, I mean, you may not be in touch with somebody for four months, six months. Maybe it is even a year. The other thing that I like to do, Robbie, is, and hopefully because we're going to get back to more in-person events very, very soon, and this still applies for virtual, but if you know you're going to an event, virtual or in-person, check in with the host. Who else is going to be on that event? Who else do you know that is on that event? And especially if it's in person, because, oh my gosh, Robbie Samuels is going to be there. I haven't seen Robbie in a year. Send him an email. Robbie, I hope you're doing well. I noticed you and I are both going to be at the da, 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 da. Look forward to catching up. So automatically, oh, I have somebody to look, look forward to meeting. I have so many tips, but those are just some of the ones that I think are helpful. Oh my gosh. No, I, I, you definitely have a lot more you can share. I can only imagine. I'm actually curious how you track things. Like, um, are you a, are you a person who has lists or CRMs or are you more of a, (laughs) as you think of people, you, you reach out. As I think of people, usually I'm, I'm not that strategic and calculated about it. Although for people who are attempting to pivot in a career or make a career change of some kind or are looking to change a job of some kind, yeah, you need to be strategic. So keep a spreadsheet if that's what's helpful to you. 
connected with so-and-so, sent this person an email on such and such a date, follow up, you know, when did I follow up? What was the response? Did I get a response? What's interesting too about trying to connect with people, sometimes it takes four or five attempts. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it happens quickly, but more often than not, it doesn't. And don't take it personally. Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed that out because I think for folks that are you know newer to this, it's an uncomfortable thing not to hear. Um, my wife, actually, I'm thinking of a story when she was shifting careers, she looked for people who had, she was in higher ed and she was trying to move into ed tech. And on LinkedIn, she found people in ed tech who had a higher ed history, a background. And she would reach out to ask, to just chat with them, informational interviews, as you mentioned earlier, about their career path and how they ended up there and whether it was actually a good fit for someone with her skill set. And she expected no responses and she was nervous about doing it, but then everybody responded and everyone scheduled coffee with, you know, coffee chat virtually. And then they would give her tips about there's an opening and they, you know, she'd follow up with and send them a $5 gift card for their next coffee. And like, next thing you know, her resume is being plucked out of the pile and put to the top of the list by people that her only relationship was something she established, you know, a few months earlier. (laughs) by way of LinkedIn conversations and introductions. And after a while, she really enjoyed it. She was looking forward to seeing who else she could reach out to because the overwhelming response was actually very positive and people wanted to talk to her about how they ended up in this new industry. So that's another interesting thing is find someone who's, who's done what you're trying to do. The other thing, if we can stay on LinkedIn for just a moment, sure. when I was in that sort of two-year period prior to leaving television and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, what my next chapter was going to be, I would look on LinkedIn. I would see what the jobs were, and I'd, I'd either type in communications or public relations or entertainment. I mean, I put in any search term that I could think of, and I wanted to see what jobs sort of were out there. And I would look at the job description and go, that's me. That's me. No, I don't want to do that. That is not me. That's me. And while ultimately, I mean, I didn't get a job on LinkedIn. I didn't try to even get a job on LinkedIn. What it did was it afforded me the opportunity to kind of clarify a little bit more. And I do think LinkedIn is really a great resource for people if you learn to use it well. Yeah, it's it's sort of an untapped resource for most people who still think of it as a place to park their CV and it's static and it's it's anything but these days. Mm-mm. It's it's so interactive and there's so much possible engagement and research. Um, it's great. Like I think a lot of people are um, kind of underwhelmed when they think, oh, really? You want me to go to LinkedIn? I'm like, yes, go be active on LinkedIn. <laughs> like it has so much potential for you. And have a photo on LinkedIn, a professional photo, please. <laughs> okay. At Unless the, you're in the witness protection program. Oh my gosh. At the have very a least. Photo. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) this is what I do when I'm, when I'm being, you know, getting an email from a potential new client, the first thing I do, I look them up on LinkedIn. I want to, who are you? And I do that with all of my workshop participants. That's the first place I go. All right. Who are you? I want to know who my audience is. I mean, uh, I, I think that people should know we're going to make sure that your LinkedIn connections are uh, available and we'll see how else people connect with you. Because I do think seeing how other people use LinkedIn is just a really um, great way to see what, what else you could be doing that you're not thinking of, both uh, what's on the profile, but also seeing how people post and interact. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of platform than some others. Um, okay, so we could talk networking, it feels like, all day. and All day um, long. <laughs> all day long. 
Well, you've offered so much just by sharing your story. I mean, your story is, is there's so much of your story that's about relationships and networking and asking and being willing to ask and being willing to be vulnerable. I mean, like this, those are all wonderful lessons that we pulled from your story. So this is my favorite question. It's one of our wrap-up questions here. So, you know, Liz, you and I have lots of reasons to stay in touch and we've been sort of narrowly missing each other for a long time. So we're going to be in touch. And a year from now, I'm going to ask you, how have things been going and I want to know what we're going to be celebrating. What are we going to be toasting to? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Well, my next chapter, <laughs> I have always done a lot of keynote speaking, motivational speaking, along with my coaching business. And even prior to my coaching business, when I was on television, I did a lot of speaking engagements as well. But I really feel like this is my next calling. This is my next chapter. I'm not saying I'm going to give up coaching or doing workshops or things like that. But I really feel that that is sort of the next chapter for me. It might involve a second book. We'll see. <laughs> I have a few ideas rattling around in my head, but I keep saying to myself, how can I even be thinking about a second book when this one just came out? I, I just, uh, you know, so it's kind of funny. So I hope that we would be celebrating that to use Dory's word of being another recognized expert in the communications industry and in the speaking world, as well as my book continuing to do well and my online courses doing well. I just would like to celebrate all of that because in a year from now, my business will be nine plus years old. We're cruising towards the 10-year anniversary. So that would be very interesting to see where I am. I mean, the fact that it's even been eight plus years at this point seems surreal to me. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. I enjoy the work I do. I'm passionate about the work that I do. And I am honored and humbled that my book is doing well. And, you know, at the end of each chapter, for those who are, are thinking about this, it was interesting in the Forbes um, recommendation review, they called it a teaching memoir. And that's the first time somebody has used that language to describe my book. And I love that because at the end of each chapter, Robbie, are really poignant questions that I want people to ask of themselves so that they can really think about how do I move the dial forward in my life, personally and professionally. And when, it, when I read that teaching memoir, I was like, that's a really good description. So I'm hopeful that there will be all kinds of wonderful things to celebrate with you as you continue to be successful as well. Wow, I can't wait to celebrate all of that with you. It sounds fantastic. My, my final question really is how can people find you and follow your work? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I really appreciate that. The easiest place probably is lizbruner.com. That's L-I-Z-B-R-U-N-N-E-R.com. And right on the homepage, you can find out about my book. You can find out about BrunerAcademy.com. You can also go there, BrunerAcademy.com. That's my online learning platform. And it has a number of different courses, including my flagship public speaking course, along with four new courses that align with the book. They're not based on the book, but they align with the book. And they are Dare to Go for Your Goals, Dare to Rise Above Tough Times, Dare to Shift from procrastination to motivation and dare to find peace of mind. And of course, I'd love people to follow my podcast and subscribe and listen as they do to you as well. It's called Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. And all of my guests 
have incredible transformational stories. And I love sharing those with people. So thank you for allowing me to share that with everyone. Absolutely. We're going to put all those links in the show notes that we'll find at ontheschmooze.com. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Robbie. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Liz. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 277. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.